this morning, Soul City? Listen, listen. We had God shined upon us this Thursday and gave a summertime shy in November. And then yesterday we were reminded God has forsaken us for the next four months. But you're here. Those of you who are here, you're here. You have weathered the weather and you are here. It's happening. Those of you who are worshiping with us online, we are so, so glad you're here. If you're joining us right now, just let us know in the comments where it's from. And if it's from somewhere warm, keep it to yourself. We don't want to hear about it. Okay, not for another six months or so. We don't want to hear about it. It's just so fun. We talk about that every time. And those of you who are in this room, you may be like, I don't know, what, what, are people really watching online? Last week, we had an incredible celebration for our 12th anniversary. It was such a fun celebration hearing vision for where God's taken us, how faithful God's been. But what was so fun for me is people who came and said, I've been watching online and I knew I just had to be here this weekend. In fact, one woman from our church introduced me to her mom who watches online from where she lives. But then her mom said, just so you know, I got my mom watching who lives in Detroit. So to that grandma in Detroit, we love you. Thank you. All the way from Detroit City. We love it. So it is so fun to have folks all over joining with us today. Uh, For the next few weeks, we're going to be camping out in one book of the Bible, specifically one chapter in one book of the Bible, Romans chapter 12. This is a theologically thick and spiritually significant book in the Bible. For anyone who's read it before, you know that. In fact, when reflecting on the power and the importance of the book of Romans, famed Protestant reformer Martin Luther once said about the book of Romans, he said that it is worthy not only that every Christian should know it word for word by heart, but also that they should occupy themselves with it every day as the daily bread of their soul. No pressure there. I can't even remember my Netflix password, but Luther thinks I need to memorize this whole book. So for the next three weeks, you're going to memorize the whole book of Romans. It's going to be a fun thing for us to do together because there's there's so much packed into this book and there's so much crammed into this one chapter. So we're just going to spend some time diving in and then living out the life God has for us, the life God has for you. We want to be about that life together. Now, I feel like I should tell you at the top of this message something. I want to, I want to get into it. We're going to get in today. We're not only, we're just doing two verses. That's all we got to get through together in the next couple of minutes. But I need to tell you, for those of you who've been around here, maybe at least for a little bit, you've been around for a couple of weeks now or a couple of months now, you know that, that I, myself, and our teaching team, we really work hard here to study God's word and, and to prepare and to unpack it in such a way that's as, as practical and as transformational as possible. We take that calling really, really, really serious. And this message today is absolutely no different. If I'm being honest, this message today is really good. No, it's real. I, I can say that humbly. It rocks. It is a great message. But I feel at the top, it's important for me to say to you that this message will not change your life. Now, I'm serious. This message will not change your life. As Phil, it's good. You're going to like this one. It's good, but it can't change your life. It won't change your life. In fact, here, I don't think you're really getting me. I, like, I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to actually get this. Turn to the person. No, I'm serious. Everyone turn to the person next to you right now. Look them in the eyes. I'm serious. Turn to the person next to you. Look them in the eyes. Type in the comments. I want you to say these words. Say, this message will not change your life. How's that for a promise at the top of the message? <laughs> That's going to great. Why are we here? This message will not change your life. This church, this church, as 
as important and as imperfect as it is, in and of itself will not change your life. Because there are only two things that can change your life. Okay, three things if you count Portillo's chocolate cake. That's obviously a given. That's a gift from God, a taste of heaven here on earth. So obviously Portillo's chocolate cake. But the two things that ultimately have the power to change your life are God and you. That's it. God and you are the only two things that actually have the power to change your life. It's that power that comes from God through you. And the extent to which you experience that change in your life, real spiritual growth, what we talk about and teach about here every week, the extent to which you experience that really lies, it's found in the answer to one simple question. And it's a question we're going to unpack for the next couple of moments together here. This is the question for each of us to consider. Are you conforming or transforming? You will know whether or not you are growing by the answer to that question. Are you conforming or are you transforming? What do we mean? Are you conforming to those around you? Are you conforming to the ways of this world, to what others expect of you or for you? Or are you being transformed by the power and the presence of God at work in your life? Transformed by your partnership with the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Are you conforming or are you transforming? That is a really important question. And to understand what it all means and how that all actually works, I want you to grab a Bible and open to Romans chapter 12. So if you have a Bible with you, open to Romans 12. If you don't happen to have one with you, grab the Soul City Bible if you're here in this room. Turn to page 920 in the Soul City Bible. That will get you to Romans chapter 12. If you'd rather do it on your phone or if you're with us online, you can open up a separate tab to Romans 12. I do want to say this quick thing about about these Soul City Bibles. I, I don't say this all the time. But, you know, we've had these for a while now, and they're under every seat. And, and all, you know, from time to time, I'll say, hey, just so you know, if you don't have a Bible, take a Bible. Steal a Bible from church. And Wednesday night, I was here. We were, Gene and I were doing some elder stuff, and, and we were leaving. We were in the parking garage, and a, and a guy that I know that is really seeking God and growing in his life right now was walking out, and he had one in his hand, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he looked like he was busted. He went, <laughs> I, go, I go, why? I was like, what's up? It's good to see you. He's like, I stole a Bible. I'm like, that's the whole idea. And I gave him a big hug. And, and then I was talking to a woman afterwards. She's like, you know what? My mom's got one of those Bibles. And it's in King James. And I don't understand a word it says. And so I'm stealing a Bible today. So if you do not own a Bible, the best, this most spiritual thing you can do is steal a Bible from church today. Please steal a Bible from church today. We love restocking these. Okay, let me give you some context as to the book of Romans. This is a book of the Bible written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote roughly half of the New Testament. It was a letter to a growing church in the Italian capital city of Rome, obviously. Now, what's interesting is Paul had never been to this church that he was writing this letter to. It was filled predominantly with Gentile converts to the Christian faith followers of Jesus. And he wanted them to know what it means to be in relationship with this Jesus and what it means to actually grow in a relationship with Jesus. He wanted them to be about that life. And in Romans 12, he gives this powerful picture of two formational forces that are at work in the life of every follower of Jesus. Two formational forces that are always available and always at work. And he starts by kind of getting us all on the same page and saying this in Romans 12.1. He says this, therefore, he says, therefore, listen, I urge you, I implore you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of his love for you, in view of God's goodness, his kindness, his grace, 
Offer your bodies as what? As living what? Say it again. Offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and and pleasing to God. This is actually your true and proper worship. Now, what is Paul, this, what is Paul saying here? At first pass, this sounds a little extreme, doesn't it? Offer your body as living sacrifice? That sounds so metal. Like I'm sure there's some Christian heavy metal band somewhere named Living Sacrifice. Count on that. Believe that. I'm sure that there is. What does he mean by offering your body as a living sacrifice? Obviously, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor that he's using. What Paul is, is teaching them is that the worship that God desires is not something external, but internal. Doesn't come from out there, but from in here. It's not the songs that you you sing. It's not about the money that you bring. It's not about the hours that you give or how perfect you live. No, God doesn't want all that you do. God just wants all of you. That's what he's saying here. Offer your whole self. God doesn't want all that you do. He just wants all of of you. And I'm my hunch is there's some folks who are exhausted. You are spiritually exhausted. You are spiritually defeated, and you need to hear that today. God does not want all that you do. He just wants all of you. All that other stuff is great. All that other stuff is good. It's important. But at the end of the day, God just wants you. God cares about you more than all that you do. Amen. This is where Paul starts this chapter. He says, okay, so we got that. It's our whole life, our whole yes to God. We make ourselves fully available to God. That's real worship to God. And then Paul says, now this is how it works in this spiritual life with God. In verse two, Romans 12, verse two, I'm gonna have you shout out the words that are in all caps, okay? Paul says, do not what? Do not conform. So we just said a second ago, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll actually be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will for you. You see there, Paul points out to these two forces that are always, these formational forces that are always at work in your life, two ways that you are constantly being formed. You are either being conformed to the ways of this world or transformed by the ways of God, by the renewing of your mind. It's one or the other. That's how this works. It's one or the other, conforming or transforming. So what does Paul exactly mean by these these contrasting concepts that are at work in your life every day? Think about it this way. Conforming, that conforming force works from the outside to change your inside. Does that make sense? So a conforming thing would be, okay, it's the messages of this world, it's the lies of this world, it's the half-truths of this world that come at you from the outside in an attempt to change what you believe to be true on your inside. But transforming actually works from your inside, and then it changes the outside. It begins in here, it begins in here, and as it works its way out, it changes not only your life, but the environment around you. It's a powerful difference between the two. One works from the outside in to force you and to form you into its mold, getting you to believe its truth, getting you to play smaller and smaller and smaller to be formed into its likeness, just like everyone else. And I was thinking about how that works and what that really looks like, and it reminded me of something that I haven't had enough time with lately, and that's Play-Doh. When was the last time y'all played with some Play-Doh? been a minute since you played with some Play-Doh. We're going to have some Play-Doh therapy in the lobby afterwards if anyone wants, because this, this is good. Now, you remember when you got Play-Doh as a kid, that first, well, first of all, you opened with, 
and got high off that smell, right? Okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's, we're in church, it's a safe place, all right. So, so then, and then what's the first thing you start to do? You start to mess with it, you start forming it, you start moving around, you start making it into a snake. That's usually where we start, right? Or, or you start doing, when I was a kid, we, we had Play-Doh kits where you could like put it in and like squeeze it out and like hair would come out, that was so gross, right? And we had all kinds of things. And what are you doing with Play-Doh? You're forming it, you're forming it, you're conforming it into whatever you want it to be. That's how this works. The world is conforming you constantly into its vision of you. And here's the deal. Here's how it works. It makes you smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. But the other works from the inside out. When you choose to actually believe God's truths, when you, when you choose to let that be where you actually live from, let that truth live its way out in your life, it begins to change who you are. And rather than getting smaller and smaller and smaller, guess what? Your life begins to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until that internal transforming work begins to work its way out and change the world around you, change the way you see yourself, change how you treat others, change the way you talk, change what you do with your time and what you do with your money. And and rather than Play-Doh, I think it looks... I think it looks a lot more like this video I came across about a year or so ago of, of a, YouTube, a YouTuber, David Dobrik. He, he was doing a science experiment, and he wanted to see if he could create a chemical reaction that would cause foam to expand to beat the Guinness Book of World Record. All he had to do was get it past about 20 feet to get this foam to beat the Guinness Book of World Records. And I think what he stumbled into is exactly what this transforming life looks like, and it looks like this. incredible that is can you imagine if you open play-doh and it did that like you open the container and it just takes over the whole room that is what i think the transforming life is meant to look like expanding 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 that it works inside of you and then it works its way outside of you and it changes the environment around you it changes the relationships around you that's what god invites you into this expanding transforming life And you'd think if any place would want to facilitate your transformational journey, your renewing of your mind and your transforming, you'd think it would be a church, right? You'd think it would be religion. But do you know what I found to be true in my life? It's one of the places where I've experienced the most amount of conforming is church. And I know that's weird because I work for one, full disclosure. Okay. Religion and church has a way of just trying to conform you into its image. And I know this because I'm a kid who grew up in church. Anyone, just by show of hands, anyone churchy church, like you grew up in church, you went to church maybe as a kid or you grew up around church? All right, good, good. We'll do some Play-Doh therapy together afterwards, <laughs> work through some of that. Because when I, when I, was, when I, was, I was a kid, I was, I, was, I was a good kid, right? I was a kid who grew up in a good family, and I, and I was a part of a good church. It was a good church filled with really good people. But they could not help but try and conform me to their way of doing things. It's like as a little kid, when I said yes to Jesus, they gave me this welcome basket. They're like, all right, here you go. Here's what you got to do now. And all the things that I had to do to conform to their image of what it meant to be a Christian at their church, their way 
of doing things. And one of the first and foremost thing I learned was you got to dress a certain way. This is how you dress, and this is how we dressed. You better believe that vest with the gold buttons on that vest with the gold buttons. Listen, that hair too, man. I'll take it. This is from, this photo is from a church directory. Some of y'all don't know that churches used to make yearbooks where we had like everyone's information. We all doxed ourselves every year at a church. This is how you drive. Because when I was a kid, listen, you had two sets of, when I, now this is, those of you who didn't grow up in church, you just like sit back and go, well, that's weird. But when I was a kid growing up in church, you had two sets of clothes. You had your play clothes and your church clothes and Mary the two shall meet. And if you show up to church in your play clothes, God ain't playing. He's mad at you, right? It's over, right? And I dig through this welcome basket and I found out, oh, well, here's the type of music you have to listen to now. This is what, I know you like all that other stuff, but this is what you got to listen to now. I know it doesn't sound quite as good, but it's good. It's good. And you may have never heard it before, but I guarantee you, and you're going through the dial, you'll recognize it. Somehow you'll know that's the music you got to listen to. Oh, this is how you vote too. This is how we vote. You got to vote this way because that, 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 I mean, obviously this is, okay, yeah, technically Jesus wasn't an American. Okay, he wasn't white. Okay, he didn't grow up in a democratic society, but if he did, he'd vote this way. Conforming, 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 conforming. And again, these are well-intended people who I believe wanted me to know Jesus, but for some reason, they chose a path of conforming rather than transforming. And my hunch is, my hunch is, that for those of us who maybe grew up churchy church and you're in a, maybe a process or a time of unpacking or deconstructing some of that, my hunch is a lot of where that work starts is with the form that you were conformed into. Is that that's what you just don't know what to do with. Why did, why does, why all this stuff added on top to be just like them, when what they missed is what Paul is saying here. It's, it's a transforming life, not a conforming life. And a transforming life with Jesus is primarily not concerned with limitation, but with liberation. That's what a transforming life does. For you to be fully alive and for you to be fully free and for you to be fully available to God and to yourself and to your neighbor. And when you are, then Paul says, when you are being liberated, transformed from the inside out, then what happens is you become more aware and over time more aligned with God's best for your life and for the lives of others. And if you remember, we, we kind of skipped past it just a second ago, but do you remember what Paul said, where it all happens, where the battle goes down back in Romans 12, 2. He said, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Of your, of your mind. That's where it all goes down. Because then when you're transformed by what you believe, then you'll be able to test and see and approve and know what God's will is for your life. See, the battle for whether you are conforming or transforming, for better or worse, is fought in your mind. It's determined by the truths that you choose to believe. This is why C.S. Lewis nailed it, said it better than I ever could. He said simply, we are what we believe. Prove me wrong. (laughs) We are what we ultimately believe. Because what you believe in your mind has the power to determine whether you will conform to the ways of this world or be transformed by the truths of God. So so what, what forms what you believe? 
Have you ever thought about that? What forms what you believe to be true? Whatever it, whatever it may be, can I just tell you, it has way more power than you think it does. Your mind is being formed right now. What's forming it? Maybe for you, there's a, a conforming belief that you've believed for longer than you can remember that you're just too much of a mess. You're a mess. Your life's a mess. Your decisions have been a mess. Your relationships are a mess. Your kids are a mess. Your house is a mess. You're a mess. And the more and more you believe that you are a mess, you are a mess, the more and more that begins to become your truth and you begin to make decisions that back up that belief. What if you were to, what if you were to have a transforming shift in your mind and begin to believe, yeah, there may be messy parts of my life, but the truth is I'm God's masterpiece, made in the image of God. Yeah, I know it may look like a mess around here, But the truth is, I'm God's masterpiece. He told me so, made in his image. And that is the truth I'm choosing to believe. How might that make my life bigger versus smaller? Maybe you have a conforming belief that that you've locked into that you'll never have enough. You're just never going to have, no matter how much you work, no matter how hard you work, you are never going to have enough. If you really wanted to be something, if you really wanted to be someone, you'd have better clothes than the clothes you got. You'd live in a bigger house than the house you got. You'd own a home versus renting a home. You'd get a bigger car. You'd have two cars. You'd get a house for your cars. <laughs> you will never have enough. And do you know where that confirming message, that conforming message comes from? Every ad you see, every billboard you drive by, every post on social media. You'll never have enough as them. You'll never be as successful. You'll never be as influential. You fill in the blank. But what if you were to take a shift from that conforming belief, you'll never have enough, you'll never have enough, you'll never have enough, to a transforming belief that, no, 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 God is enough and I am enough, period. God, will he'll provide for every one of my needs, always has, why would he stop now? Yeah, I may not have all that I want, I have far more than I need. It's provided by the hand of a loving God. That's a transforming belief. That means everything I look at, every billboard I drive by, every ad I see, I can go, right. That's not true. I have a truth. I know a truth. God is enough. I am enough. Maybe there's a conforming belief that you have in your life that you'll always be this way. You're always going to be this way. You ever found yourself when you've hit a wall or maybe you've gotten to a fight with someone you, you care about or tensions have risen and you just say, well, that's just, that's just how I am. That's just who I am. That's a conforming belief. You have chosen to believe that that's who you are. Transforming belief says, no, 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 God is making me new today. I can be made new today. His mercy is new and he's renewing me day by day. I don't have to be who I was. I don't have to be the pattern that my parents or my family laid out for me. I don't have to be what society says I have to be. I can actually be made new today in God. It doesn't have to be this way. There's a new way made available to me through God. That's a transforming belief. You see how that opens up? And you get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Maybe you have a conforming belief that says you're always going to be alone. You'll always be alone. How many more weddings do you have to go to that aren't yours? How many more dresses do you have to buy that aren't the dress? How many more times do you have to be surrounded by millions of people and feel so alone and so alone and no one is with you and no one is for you and it can make you feel smaller and smaller and smaller? 
transforming belief says, no, 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 God is with me and for me. Who can stand against me? God is with me in all circumstances, in all seasons. Yes, I feel lonely, but I'm not alone. He's with me. He's for me. Maybe there's a story, a truth, conforming belief that you have in your head that there's no hope for your future. There's no hope for you. There's no hope for any of us. And, and, you, and you watch the news and you see what's going on in our city and how many times have you felt there's no hope? How's it gonna change? And then you zoom out and you see what's going on in our country you go, oh wow, it looks like it's even worse. And then you zoom out to the world and go, nope, I need to turn this off now because it seems to get worse and worse and worse. And as you think about the future for your life or maybe for kids that you have or want to have one day, you think it's only gonna get worse. It can never get better. There's no hope for my future. And yet a transforming belief says, no, 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 God has only good for me. God only has good for me in my life. God has good for me now. God will have good for me later. His plans for me are good. They're for me to prosper. They're for me to grow, to transform, to be a blessing to God and to this world that changes my mind, helps me see me, helps me see God, helps me see others differently. I could go on and on and on and on because the pattern of this world is always going to make you smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until you fit the mold that it's made for you. But God's transforming truth has the power to set you free to make you new from the inside out. His love liberates you if you choose to believe, if you choose to renew your mind. You know, I saw in me the last couple of weeks an old pattern that's been with me for a while. And it was all around the midterms that were coming up and I get hyper invested in that kind of stuff and I'm reading the news and I'm listening to podcasts and I'm, 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 I'm concerned about states that I've never even been to and will probably never even visit. And I'm watching and watching and watching and wondering and future of our country is at stake and I got all revved up and my YouTube feed got real weird and it was just like, I was just like, because I've done this before. It's just, I get kind of lost in this stuff. And I happened to see a friend of mine on Wednesday night who's been involved in politics for a long time and, and, and knows all about this stuff and and so the first thing I said, Poof, following these midterms, because, you know, that's what cool people talk about. <laughs> and without missing a beat, he goes, oh, no. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, I learned a long time ago. That is not good for my soul. Oof. He has this kind of posture where if it's important, it will find me. And in a moment, I felt convicted challenged, and like God had given me a shift. Oh, I can shift. I, I, I got this conforming belief about the future of our country and all oh, democracy. Wait a second. No, I actually, I believe that God has only good for me and that I can actually be a change. I can be a blessing to those. I can't control all of that. And you just think about how I knew in a moment God wants to renew my mind with this transforming truth. And I know, I know, I know, I know he wants to do the same for you. So as I was thinking about how do we, how do, we do that in a spiritually practical way, this way, how, how do we learn to, to recognize and maybe even make that shift from a conforming belief to a transforming belief? And, and here's the best I, I came up with. This is our homework. We're, I would love for us to all try this experiment. We can't do the exploding foam. But this experiment together as a church this week what would it look like for you to be informed about what's forming you? 
What would it look like for you to just be informed at least of what's forming you? Or as Amy Krauss Rosenthal says, I love the way she says it, what would it look like for you to pay attention to what you're paying attention to? Just pay attention. How is this forming me? Because it is. So maybe it's as you're listening to a podcast or whatever, or as you're watching the news and you're engaging with that, how is that, wait, how is this forming me? What's the message? What's the truth it wants me to believe? Maybe for you, it's as you're at work and you've, you're working in such a way that you've burned through all your margins and you're staying up way too late working or you're missing time with the people that you love because you've believed a story that you have to do it this way. This is just how it is in my industry. This is just how it is for my boss. This is just how it is for my job. Is that true? And how might that be forming you? Or to the conversations that you have. And you're in conversation and you find yourself talking about someone who's not there. And how you're talking about them. Who you're talking about. How's that forming you? Or how about as you're scrolling through and you're looking at all these posts of all these perfect people and all these wonderful lives and they've all, somehow they figured it out while we haven't, but they have. They're amazing. And every picture you see and every post you see, again, nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with them, but it's forming you. How is it forming you? And then I want you to pay attention in a similar way. I want you to pay attention to what happens inside of you when you do something like we've done this morning, we're gonna do here in a moment, and you can do it any moment throughout your week. What happens to your mind when you worship God? Pay attention to that. Like when you come here and you leave on a Sunday, is, don't you feel like something different, something shifted in you? when you're singing timeless truths about God or, or when you spend time in prayer and as you just commit yourself, God, I'm gonna be proud, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna meditate, I'm gonna be silent with you. Just pay attention. How did that form me? What, might be, what am I believing now coming out of that time? Or as you have an encouraging or uplifting conversation with someone, maybe in a small group, maybe someone you know, and you find afterwards, oh my gosh, that, that changed me. How did that form you? Because it's all forming you one way, or another. This message, this message, it, it can't do that for you. It can't change you in and of itself. This church, it can't do that for you in and of itself. But God can. And God will. But you have to choose which truth you will believe. You have to choose to root yourself in the reality of God's love, to fill yourself with his freeing thoughts that God has for you about you, telling yourself God's transforming truths over and over and over until you actually believe them. And as you do, God will do what only he can do. He will transform you from the inside out. And as you do, it will transform those around you. So I want to give us a moment to just experience that together. If you would, if you're in this room, would you stand? We're going to worship together. And we're going to sing. And we take postures of prayer lots of times around here when we pray. John had to do one just a little bit ago. I thought we'd do one uh, together because the battle is in the mind and the stories that we believe, the truths that we believe. And I thought we could do a posture of prayer that's going to seem a little weird at first. But if you just trust me for it and I want to pray over us, then we're going to worship. We're going to worship. We're going to let that form us. If you'd be willing to put your finger or fingers on your temple, on your, on your side of your head here, it's going to look, for those watching online, it's going to look like we're all practicing telekinesis, uh, right? If I start floating, you know, something's happening. But uh, the idea here is just this. I want, God, I want you to renew my mind. I 
want you to renew my mind. Help me renew my mind with your truths. If you'd be willing to hold that posture, I would love to just pray for you. God, that is what we want. We, we, we can get so distracted by all the, the, the half-truths, the messages of this world that only always want to make us smaller and smaller and smaller. No matter what they promise, that's what happens. And so, God, would you help us fix our minds? Would you help us fix our eyes on you? And God, would you begin to renew our minds with the thoughts of you, true thoughts about who you say we are. God, whatever stories and beliefs we may be holding on to, would you refresh, would you renew, would you update our files, God, with your truth right now. And I pray for every person as we're paying attention throughout this week, that we would be ever aware that we are being formed and that we would choose to be transformed by your liberating love, God. May that be true of me. May that be true of us as we set to fix our minds and fix our eyes and fix our lives on you. It's in your name that we pray and we sing. Amen.